before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our free discovery call. If you're unsure how to start or build a consistent brand, let's talk. Just go to danielleclarkcreative.com to book your free discovery call and see how you can create a brand that helps you win more customers and reach your goals. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. Today I'm joined by Luke Tong. For those that don't know Luke, he loves wearing shorts. He's a brand designer. He is director of Birmingham Design Festival and he also uh, co-runs what was Glug and he's now Gather for those that are still getting used to that um, because I know some people are. And yeah, he's here today to talk to me all about branding and what he's been up to. So welcome to the show, Luke. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. That was a spot on introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Not a beat wrong. Love it. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So, yeah, first things first, are you wearing shorts right now? Oh, I am so off brand. It's untrue. Um, I I tell people because people do ask me that a lot, that I'm not stupid. Um, And if it's below zero, uh, the the longs go on. So, no, sadly, no shorts today. If I was working from home, then they definitely would be. But um, yeah, I get too many comments if I leave the house in December (laughs) in shorts. So (laughs) I'm in my month of trousers. Just the month. So come January. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. That is that is hardcore. Yeah. It's uh, hey, it's branding. I know. Absolutely. Uh, Which is what we're all about today. So um, yeah. Would you say you feel like you've got a personal brand now then? Um, It's funny because that is a it's a subject that I do like to talk about, especially with young designers and students. And so I guess I, I and what I would say to them is everybody has a personal brand whether they like it or not, whether they would realize it or not. And we we make a lot of brands and branding because it's what we do and we like to theorize and all the rest of it. But really, it's just what we're known for in terms of, you know, a personal brand. I think it's how people think of us. Um, so when people describe you when you're not there or how they would describe you when you are there, that really is your brand. And it's not necessarily what you would want it to be or hope it would be or think it is it's what other people think it is and that's that's true of you know consumer brands as well it's about what customers think of them not necessarily what they think of themselves uh and i suppose we create those by telling stories and by consistently doing certain behaviors or acting in a certain way or coming across in a certain way so i think i probably do have a personal brand of sorts and i think probably shorts and how i dress is part of that and that's an outward perception that people see and is an easy one to cling on to. I suppose I have a beard and glasses and I'm a guy in my 30s and all the rest of it, a white dude. So, you know, that forms part of my brand and my identity. Um, the stuff that I'm into and the culture and the music and the films and all of that stuff affects my language and, uh, you know, how I think and my mindset. So that's also part of it. And then I guess what you do for a living is a big bit as well. People like to define us by labelers by and uh, yeah and how we spend our time I guess more broadly so yeah I I definitely do have a personal brand whether I like it or not and it's probably a sum of all of those things and to, it maybe isn't what I want it to be but it is what it is so there we go yeah absolutely and the thing you touched on there about it's your personal brand is also kind of it's an extension of what you absorb as well isn't it yeah very much so I think so right and I've definitely I'm aware of that because I think at different times in my life, that's been really important to me. I think, you know, when you're in your adolescent years and your teenage years and whatever tribes and culture and music and sport and all of that stuff is really fundamental to how you, what crowd you fit in with, how you dress, how you (laughs) self-associate with the people, you know, are you in where I grew up, you know, are you a townie, are you a grievo, are you a emo, are you a a punk (laughs) kid, all of that stuff, you know, do you, do you play sports like everyone else or you know I was into BMXing and rollerblading and alternative 
stuff and that led into alternative music uh, and that scene and so that was a huge part of my identity when I was a teenager but obviously when you're 30 whatever I am 37 it it becomes maybe less important to label yourself as that stuff but that stuff is definitely seeped into your psyche and your language and your your tastes and how you dress and all of that stuff kind of flows out of that really formative years I think or it certainly yeah. did for me so I still listen to a lot of the same music that I probably listened to 20 years ago and you, you almost reach a point, I've reached a point where maybe I, my cultural radar is not as attuned as it once was. And I don't necessarily seek out new stuff in the same way that I probably once did. I'm probably just comfortable in the skin of, you know, I, I was into a certain scene and that's the aesthetic and the style and the music and yeah. language and films and all the rest of it. And I, yeah, I was fortunate to study down in Cornwall. So it was a little bit of that surfery, American, Australian <laughs> vibe that you know for many years I'd walk around barefoot or just in my flip-flops and that is an extension of shorts wearing I guess and made me feel like I was laid back whether I was or wasn't I don't know but I think all of that stuff kind of feeds into this idea that you have of yourself and how you want to be perceived and um, yeah I'm, I'm kind of outworking that as a living in the suburbs of Birmingham as a 30-something year old guy who would you know how much of that you still are versus how much of that you hold on to I think is quite an interesting thing to yeah reckon with <laughs> yeah for sure and I was smiling because I was thinking about all the things that, that I was into as a teenager um I got into new metal so I loved Linkin Park and Corn and Limp Bizkit and I was wearing the baggy trousers and the oversized hoodies and you know the chain hanging off my yeah. jeans yeah. and you know, <laughs> got the chain. Yeah. Yeah. and that was my thing and and again you were what I was consuming then became an extension of of me and how I wanted to portray myself and my identity yeah. so I think I think it's really interesting also really important especially um for young people that they're aware of how what they consume does have an impact on what they then put out and and I don't think Absolutely. I don't think it's always always kind of considered no and, and maybe that's a good thing you know you were at the event with us with Craig Oldham talking about his background and maybe not feeling like he fitted in a specific scene because he came from a slightly different background and actually the older I've got the more I've come to appreciate the need for that uh, you know homogenous culture is, is not good everyone thinking the same way or doing the same thing or and even within a scene you know I'd much rather speak to 10 people who've got different interests and different backgrounds than 10 people that are exactly the same and that you know there's, a, there's always been that worry with different industries that if you don't look the part you don't fit in or you're not welcome there and certain spaces and faces and all the rest of it so I think I think society's actually learned that lesson a little bit now that it's really important to have diverse voices and diverse backgrounds and diverse interests too you know and that the young people don't have to be one thing or another you can be many things mm. you know I I used to like playing football with the lads as a teenager but I wasn't really part of that scene as like a you know the English equivalent of a jock or whatever yeah. I was quite happy in different groups and that's okay to be I think that's good I don't think it's necessarily healthy if you pigeonhole yourself too much because what happens when you decide you don't love that thing anymore or you fall out of favor with that group or whatever it is I think it's it's okay to hold a lot of different things in tension and fit in in different crowds be with different people and I think that's actually as a designer or a creative person you're you're trying to soak up a lot of things about the world and you do that through observing but also through experiencing different things so actually being being a bit of a chameleon and being okay in different groups is yeah. probably a really beneficial thing yeah. to understanding people yeah for sure and you touched on there obviously young people young designers um obviously we're both lecturers we've both helped mentor and and bring young designers up and in, into the industry and advise where we can yeah and it's really tough out there mm. really really tough and it feels like it's getting tougher and I think it's because it's there's a lot more visibility now with you know social media wasn't really around when I 
Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Um, And so it's really easy to compare and look and think, oh gosh, they're doing this and they're really really cool and they've got this many followers, etc. So what, what advice would you give to young people that are entering the industry now and maybe still studying, maybe they're in the, you know, the last, the second to last year. Yeah. What would you tell them? Oh gosh. I'd, I'd need half an hour to sit them all down and have a, <laughs> have a good talk. I think there's a lot of things that young mm. people need to hear and need to be said. So I'll, I can try and whiz through and sum up some of those thoughts. Yeah, for sure. I do think it is difficult. I don't know. It's, it's really hard to gauge whether things are more difficult in any time period than another, because often new technologies, they give as much as they take away. True. And there are, you know, I think certain things, the current generations have, access to people much easier than we ever did they have access to resources and access to inspiration and access to and that can come with an oversaturation and an over familiarization that then they don't know how to approach people or you know i remember writing actual letters to people asking for jobs and sending my cv printing stuff out and there's a degree of effort and um intention with that that you can't just fire off an email to 300 studios you have to be really targeted but then yeah. when it doesn't work out it's that you know the, the come down or the the rejection can be even worse whereas i think uh, you know it's, it's just different with every generation so I, I would increasingly i would tell them not to worry and that's easy to say but things do tend to work out for for those that are prepared to work hard and that's another thing that you know lots of people most young people, young designers would say that they are working hard and, you know, and I would say that most of them are, but there is always that thing of in every industry, usually the people that want it the most and are prepared to go the extra mile will probably be the ones that succeed, whatever the definition of success is. And so it's easy to tell people not to worry, but you also want to tell them to work hard at the same time and be, you know, be doing stuff, be active, be proactive, be enthusiastic be consistent, persevere with things, you know, be, be visible, be kind to other people, be gracious. Um, I think that's something that people don't often warn you about as a young person, especially now in our very connected and visible industry, that if you, if you come out and are having a go at, you know, it's easy to snipe on projects and to poo-poo work that you don't like or to, but you've probably not realized everything that's gone on behind the scenes or why that stuff's happened or the realities of working on those, some of those big jobs can be a nightmare. And, and you can easily get a name for yourself if you're not careful by, you know, by sounding off about things. So yeah, just being cautious and careful about how you come across, but to not let that stop you having an opinion, <laughs> you know, there's a flip side to all of this stuff. You want young people to care and to have an opinion and to voice it. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think I would, I would have a lot of, I do have a lot to say to young designers and I think, um, you know, by, by and large, they're doing amazing and they're navigating a whole new world that, like you said, we didn't have to worry about so much. And that's come with its own kind of mental health challenges and stresses and strains on them. So again, no kind of one bit of advice fits all people because yeah. for some people, the best thing they can do is just get their head down, focus on the work and not really worry too much about you know creating a brand or having a presence on whereas other people that stuff will be really important and you know vital for them because that's often how you're discovered now and how your work's shared and how you picked up um and noticed so i think it, it has to vary and you have to you have to run your own race a little bit and pick you yeah. know, decide mm-hmm. what works for you um, and to be reassured that that's okay to to not worry about any of those things you talked about, like having lots of followers or all of that stuff, it, you know, it's, by and large, it's very surface and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I think what matters is how you treat people, how you think of yourself, what your confidence is like and your, your enthusiasm and the body of work that you're producing. You know, if you, if you love the industry and you love designing creativity, you're going to produce work that you are proud of and, that, you know, you like, hopefully. And then you've just got to show it people. Yeah. That's like the big thing, isn't it? It's like make work, show it people, get get more work as a result of that, whether that's a job or freelance or whatever. So yeah. I think we 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 like to overcomplicate some of this stuff sometimes. 
I don't mean you and I, <laughs> hopefully we're trying not to, but um, people like to overcomplicate these things to make it seem like we're doing a really lofty and special thing. But really, we're just, we're very fortunate to be designing for a living. We're creating work for people. We're sharing it. Um, we're having an opinion on things. That's that's really all there is to it, I think. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And when you talked about success, I think that's really important is mm. measuring yourself. Yes, have standards, but but come to your own conclusion about what those standards are and what success actually means to you. Yeah, I so agree with that. I mean, it's so important that uh, it, the metrics of success nowadays are so completely skewed that you have to you have to try and help people have a bit of a hard reset on that stuff because it so much of what we measure as success is down to chance or down to unfair advantage or down to things outside our control you know what time you what era you hit instagram massively dictated how how many followers you could have amassed on there and the same with other platforms because of how the algorithms were and that yeah. stuff changes all the time so it's completely pointless being dissatisfied or satisfied with that stuff because it's not a true metric really of anything other than a time you know being in the right place at the right time very often or having you know certain advantages and privileges so really the only metric you should be measuring yourself against I think is you know are you happy with where you are and the progress that you're making and even that you know I certain years I don't feel like I progress very much at all <laughs> that's okay it's not like we're on this conveyor belt to amazingness yeah um, as, as long as you you know you're enjoying what you're doing I think that's a you know, huge metric of success you know do you are you happy with where you're at um because that will look so different for for everyone for all of us yeah we should, totally and, and we have to look at that and think about that and yeah decide. and I think again you know when you talked about like are you happy it's so it's so important and it's often the last thing that people think about yeah yeah it really is I I was that person for for a good while I was working in agency and in-house and certain jobs I love certain, certain ones not so much yeah um and I had to really have a, a sit down with myself and really look at what I actually wanted how I was feeling day to day yeah and it just wasn't I was just like what am I doing yeah <laughs> it's so important and I think it important to recognize as well that in different seasons of your life you want different things and that stuff changes you know I was very happy to be working my little bottom off in my 20s in a full-time job and mm -hmm. doing lots of freelance because I knew that I wanted to get somewhere and I felt like I wanted to make work that mattered and I didn't feel like I could do that necessarily during the day but I knew that I needed stability and I needed an income and yeah. I was learning a lot and then I reached a point where I had a bit of a a first things first uh crisis when I was hit 30 and I just thought what am I you know what's my legacy going to be when I look back at my career is it that I've sold a load of pizza boxes and beers and you know all the <laughs> stuff I was working on during the day and it's like oh gosh that's not what matters or what but it was a means to an end because you know it got me a lot of experience it got me training it got me a good portfolio it got me confidence and then I was ready to to make the move and go freelance and the last six years have been so much more rewarding and enjoyable than the previous 10, but I couldn't have had the last six if I hadn't done that 10. So, and I'm in a different part of my life now where I'm, you know, you can't, you, you're not necessarily thinking about giving back and the next generation when you're 21 or 22, yeah. <laughs> because you are that next generation. Like you, there's different seasons for different, mm -hmm. you know, different reasons for different seasons. And it's good to, you know, occasionally check in with yourself and think, okay am I happy with what I'm doing right now is this the right balance am I and is there a different path that's open to me or a different stuff that I should try you know there's so many different options to people within the industry and I've known people change roles completely change from you know client services to creative or the other way um, from freelance to full-time to part-time to teaching to events that you know you name it there's so many different combinations of those things and you know, you mentioned teaching, you know, I, I've done a bit of teaching, as you know, at BCU where you are, mm. and and I'm not doing that in a minute. And actually, I'm enjoying this season of not doing that as much as I enjoyed the season of doing that. 
Yeah. There are different kind of times for different things in your life. So I think it's good to, you know, it's amazing to have the privilege to have that flexibility to just decide like, okay, for the next year or two, I'm going to focus on this stuff and I'm going to see if that makes me happy and see if I can work that way, see if that pays the bills, see if I'm, you know, I feel like I'm doing the right thing and then to, to change. And uh, that's, the, you know, that's an enormous privilege to have. No, absolutely. And I'm trying to think of a, there's a Bible verse um, mm. at a time. Yeah, time for all things, like a, a yeah. time, to, time to read, the time to plan. Yeah, time to, I'm, I'm time trying to, to remember what it's called and I can't. Um, it just popped in my head because there is, as you say, there is absolutely a time for everything. Um, yeah. there's a time to plant there's a time to uproot what is planted etc and it's the yeah. same with it's the same with your career and your life and and all of those things and one of the things that I've started doing recently as I've got a little bit older now I'm in in my 30s is as, as you said giving back yeah um giving back through through lecturing and and that's why I'm doing the podcast and Absolutely. other things um and off the back of that I'm starting to build this little community now um you know all about community you've built communities around around you know Birmingham Design Festival um community is really important um and having kind of started to establish those unintentionally really especially where the Mm. podcast is concerned um, I someone messaged me and was like, "Is there a fan club that I can be a part of?" I was like, "I mean, right up." No, there isn't, but I feel like maybe I need well, to be. do this because people are starting to ask now. Um, why do you think being part of a community matters so much? Yeah, um, I, I think because fundamentally we're designed to be living lives in relationship with other people and that looks like lots of different things for lots of different people and i totally get that but i think community at its most basic is just connecting with other people and that brings so much to our lives and it doesn't mean you have to live in each other's pockets it doesn't mean you have to go and live on a hippie commune and share everything and you know have 12 wives or whatever it it can look like lots of different things and you mentioned that like it can it can come out of nowhere and off the back of unexpected things and suddenly you realize you've got this little network of new people that you haven't necessarily encountered and then you learn stuff from them and you turn up for each other you look out for each other you benefit each other and I'm sure there are some downsides like if you're an introvert it can be quite hard work sometimes you you know you can feel that you're a bit emotionally spent after you've spent a lot of time with people but if you can kind of get that balance right to me it's such a enriching and motivating and rewarding thing that you know, I, I think we're on this earth to, to be good to other people, to have connection with other people, um, to look out for each other, that sort of stuff. And really, community is just an extension of that. You, you kind of, you make connections over a shared interest in something. And it goes back to maybe some of that stuff we talk about, like tribes and, you know, you bond over music or that stuff. You know, a lot of the work that we've have both been involved in with community building is around industry and what we do because we you know design and creativity is such a big part of our lives that you connect with other people that are in a similar boat and you know love it and um you know want to engage with other people through it and because of it so yeah it, it then has loads of knock-on benefits like little ego boosts like you say when someone says that they enjoy what you're doing or you, they they liked something that you did that's yeah. constantly unexpected but amazing when it happens um and i think it also creative industries can be quite a lonely existence if you're not careful you know creatives are proven i don't really like that word creatives but you know i mean like people within the creative industries proven that their mental health is usually worse than the average joe and there is a kind of an introspective aspect to it where we often have to like look within ourselves and find ideas and we you know that stuff can lead to being quite isolated, especially if you're freelance or if you're, you maybe feel like you don't fit in in certain circles. So I think then finding community can be just super valuable for your for your mental health, for your general health. Yeah. Um, 
And then there's this aspect of like giving back and finding purpose and meaning through helping other people. Um, you know, that idea that it's better to give than to receive is like such a basic thing that we forget about sometimes. <laughs> like people often say, like, oh, why? how come you're doing this stuff and you're not getting paid? And I have to say to people like that the payment is the enjoyment of doing it. Yeah. Like you, you feel better for knowing that you've done something positive. If you were just selfishly living your life for your own existence the whole time, you might like earn loads of money, but you're probably not going to feel as satisfied or as fulfilled as if you're doing some stuff that benefits other people. Absolutely. And so it's and, a no brainer. Yeah, it absolutely is. And there was I um I follow Stephen Bartlett um mm-hmm. and um some other entrepreneurs and there's a recurring theme that when a lot of these entrepreneurs have reached like significant goals like Stephen Bartlett talks about when he when I think it was a social chain or one of his businesses got put on the stock market and he just made like millions and millions of dollars in like seconds he said he had this overwhelming feeling of depression come over him I remember remember reading that yeah which is fascinating isn't it because you just think that's such the opposite of everyone would be living the absolute life yeah you know chasing that goal but you know what good yeah yeah but now he's doing more you know he's got his groups he's got I'm in his I'm in his um um telegram amazing Um, and today he I didn't get a chance because it went so quick but every now and again he drops in vouchers for like Starbucks and you can literally just go to Starbucks scan scan the code and go get free Starbucks so today he dropped like a hundred quid then he said oh when it runs out I'll top it up again I'll top it up to like a thousand pound this morning and like within half an hour it was gone yeah but like he's doing these things exactly because he's in a position to give back yeah give loads of people a free coffee there are other coffees available um it's just for him it must be very very rewarding and and he's starting to do these things now that where he's just being nice and giving back it's it's funny that isn't it that you see and you do see that repeated even with um you know like all these tech giants that they spend all their lives trying to be the richest man in the world or trying to get to whatever and then suddenly they're like huh maybe i should be the biggest philanthropist in the world and give the most away or yeah and and i'm not saying that i admire you know i think there's a big argument for saying that billionaires shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to exist because hoarding <laughs> wealth is is uh, outrageous and there's such inequality but I do love it when I hear about those people giving all that stuff away because yeah. I just think like what nothing is going to give you more satisfaction or more joy than knowing that you can do some good with what you've got and mm-hmm. you know we haven't all got millions to give away and a lot of people are, are struggling but we can all give away something whether that's yeah. like your encouragement your time your resources got a, a friend Vicky in Manchester who and it really struck me I mean I've heard other people say this before but she she talks about just give everything away like it, as a designer we hoard all our resources often it's like you you know you find a cool place to get fonts from or you find you, you you build up these banks of files and stuff and actually when you share that with other people you're helping them you're helping yourself in an indirect way yeah. like just share share what you've got share yeah. share the wealth and it comes and, back Oh, of course it does. And yeah. that's not, that, you know, that shouldn't be the motivation for doing it. But that is such a, you know, a nice byproduct mm. that why wouldn't you want to do that? And once you get into that mindset a little bit more, you start thinking about how you can give away more stuff to more people. It makes you, you know, to me, that that already makes me happier the thought of doing that than, you know, getting an extra few grand in the bank or, yeah. or doing whatever, because the, the the gain is bigger by giving it away yeah which is uh, you know that's the funny old absolutely so we've been talking about community obviously Mm. um and I've been to the Birmingham Design Festival and it's there's so many things that have happened off the back of me attending that um yeah it has been amazing and I really feel like I am a part of that community um how can for people that don't know Mm. about it because I think a lot of people think if they're not specifically a graphic designer yeah when I talk about that that's the initial thing Mm. people say so how can people be a part of that yeah that's such a great question and I don't feel like I told you to ask that question so thank you for asking it and also thank you for 
for feeling that you are part of it because you are part of it i think you know that's really important to us that the last thing we're trying to build is a little kingdom for ourselves like it's it's really not about that and it's very much not about the people that are behind it it's about the people that attend it and that's that's what a community is it's not you know being talked down to from on high it's it's all been in this thing together um and it really we have to constantly reassess my wife tash is really good at this that she'll look up the language that we use and suggest things to make it more inclusive you know we'll talk often about for the designer in your life and actually it doesn't if you don't self-identify as a designer or no one's said oh, you're a designer you know this stuff's still for you just because it's for anyone it's for everyone it's for people that have an interest and i think that's the thing that if you if you're mildly interested in creativity in any of its forms then my hope is that you could come to any of our events feel welcome understand what's going on take something away from it you know be glad that you came and obviously you're not going to you know not every talk or everything is going to resoundingly resonate with you the way that it would for someone else but the hope is that our things are accessible enough and they're representative enough and diverse and inclusive enough that anyone could come to anything feel like it was for them have a good time meet some nice people go home feeling a little bit more inspired than when they came and that's that's all there is to it, it it's very much not like a secret club or a you've got to sweat 20 years in industry before you're allowed in there's no gatekeeping there's no like oh how good a designer are you before you're allowed in any of that stuff like it's it's a very low barrier to entry we hope um and we i feel like we work very hard to make sure that people know that stuff but people's perceptions are always going to be if something is new they probably bring preconceptions to it of yeah. maybe this isn't for me maybe i don't fit in that kind yeah. of imposter vibe so i would just encourage people to try it that's the easiest you know just come to something come to anything come with a friend come on your own um and see what you think and you know if we fall short give us some feedback help us improve tell us why it wasn't as good as it could have been but also you know we do all of this stuff that we do unpaid we're doing it because we love it we love the community and we're trying our best we're obviously not perfect so we, we you know we'll get stuff wrong from time, time to time all the time but um yeah we, we're trying and so come and be part of it and come and build it with us rather than you know be stood on the outside looking in yeah uh being a critic it's, it's much easier to be critical of something than to be kind of getting your getting your boots muddy building totally. it but you know, we, totally. we'd much rather people built it with us um because it's not about us and, and we'll just get it wrong if it's just us doing everything it'll just be our kind of skewed little perspective on things whereas you know you speak to someone and you suddenly understand their perspective and and you you know stuff improves as a result of that because you see things from someone else's point of view a bit absolutely. more absolutely it's the same it's the same with any whether it's your personal brand a business yeah. an organization whatever it is that you're doing you always have this slightly blinkered view of what Definitely. you're putting out into the world and how you think people perceive it for sure and, and most people you know they, they're doing their best aren't they they're, they're doing what they think their audience wants they're doing what they think they should be doing no one sets out to think like oh i'm gonna go and piss a load of people off today or i'm gonna, <laughs> gonna go, go do a really bad job of this but we all have blind spots and we all have you know we, we're all speaking from our own experience from our own privilege from our own point of view and until you start hearing and inviting other voices in to help you shape some of that stuff you know we we've definitely gone on a journey with that in the last five six years we're definitely more mindful of things now than we were five six years ago we've definitely failed and had stuff pointed out to us and we're definitely still getting stuff not wrong but not as good as it could be and probably wrong sometimes from some people's opinions so yeah i think it's good to acknowledge and accept that you're probably not never going to be perfect because you can't keep everyone happy you know we talked a bit about that but yeah. you're never going to be for everyone but if you're trying to do stuff that's community-based you do want to be for as many people as as want to come to things you know if, if you're looking for community we want you to find it with us and know that you, you're welcome there so we do have to check in and have to you know think beyond ourselves a bit more than maybe you do if you, you know if you're working on your personal brand you can decide that you're <laughs> i'm this sort of person take me or leave it this is who i am i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna build my tribe do my mm -hmm. thing Whereas with community stuff that's a bit more broader, we want to be for all people. 
um, that want to be part of it. Lovely. And I think it's great that you are vocalising that. I think sometimes people want to be a part of something. They want to give their opinion and their experience. And maybe it doesn't feel like that that organisation or the person that runs that is open to hearing that. Yeah. And I understand that too, that when you're, when you're busy running full pelt, it's quite difficult sometimes to slow down and listen to other people that are maybe just calling out and saying, hey, let me just tell you how this came across to me or how this you know this 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 feels for me as this person in this space or whatever so i hope that we we're trying to get that balance right of listening feedback you know taking on board what people say mm. but also cracking on doing the work you know trying our best making stuff happen living our lives um and, and yeah just do trying to do the best job that we can with the resources yeah. that we've got and that's always attention because you're always aware that you could do everything that little bit better, but you also, you can be paralyzed by fear and not do anything if you're not careful, yeah. waiting to be perfect or waiting for circumstances to be just right. And um, I think that's why communicating with your audience and letting them, being a bit vulnerable and letting them see what your heart is for things, like why are you doing things? What, what's my motivation for this? They tend to be a bit more forgiving, a little bit more on board with you we used to say that about a lot of our events that you know if they were free and then something went wrong people probably wouldn't complain as much as if they paid 50 quid to come to it because <laughs> your expectation is different yeah um and i think there's a degree of that of like just people think presuming the best of you and seeing why you what your motivation is but you, you have to tell people otherwise they won't know you have to mm. give people an opportunity to understand that and that, i guess that's part of that brand building thing that we're talking about right isn't it that yeah you, absolutely you, you absolutely. have to tell people what you stand for and you have to remind people why you're doing stuff and you know that's true of community building as well mm, for sure so you've got quite a few hats that you're wearing really yeah. so and correct me if I get any of these wrong so there's Birmingham Design Festival there's Gather yeah then there's your own freelance branding yeah is there anything else that you're up to <laughs> yeah i guess well i talk about kind of three different areas that three different main hats i guess and one of these has changed a little bit so that you're right it's my own practice which is a mixture of branding and editorial stuff and that's just under my own name as a, a studio of one i tend to not go into many design studios now to freelance in that respect that work comes to me mm -hmm. um, and i do it under my own name then there's the educational side of stuff which i'm still active in just not so um part-time employed in which is a, a mixture of mentoring lecturing and you know doing stuff with unis which i still love and get an enormous sense of satisfaction from and then the third hat is the community stuff and that really is through a company called birmingham design which myself and dan alcorn run together and there are lots of different offshoots of that. One is BDF that we've talked a lot about the festival. One is Gather, which is our more regular thing. Um, one is the shop that we have here in the Joint Works, other events that we run. And then our team run other things as well, and we try and support them in that. And then other stuff that happens in the community. And then there's magazine and the website and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And bits and bobs. So they're the kind of three main areas, the kind of work that pays the bills work that's investing in the next generation and then work that's for the community yeah. okay so there's a lot going on there I mean how do you how do you find I mean you said a lot a lot of work comes to you now but you know previously how did you find work and balance you know having a portfolio having this very career doing the lecturing how how did you kind of balance it all and how do you now yeah I Honestly, I find it very tricky to balance that stuff. That's the, you know, some people I'm sure would just take it in their stride. I definitely don't. I, I don't like to apply the phrase to myself because I don't want to be it, but I, I suppose I am a bit of a workaholic. And so I'm, and by that, I don't mean that I, I love work or I'm addicted to work because I hope I'm not, but I do love the work that I do because mm, that's it, good. You know, it, yeah. And you know, that is a joy to, to have found a meaning and, you know, uh, a vocation rather than something that you're just doing for money um but it does mean that you end up working quite hard and quite long hours and 
uh, I know you're nodding because you know what that is like and yeah. it can it can be all encompassing <laughs> and slightly too demanding of your time sometimes so I struggle with the balance um, I'm increasingly honest about that when people say like oh how's your work-life balance I'm just like it's terrible <laughs> because I'm, I work all the time and fact will often say like oh you, you work harder than anyone I know and I, I don't necessarily feel like I do because there are lots of people that work very hard and you know Dan is a great example of that he's he's got a young family full-time job and he's still managing to do this stuff with me with a festival you know I have a much more relaxed um schedule because I choose what I do when I do it so I, I can prioritize things in in different parts of the day for instance um, and yesterday, you know, I took myself off to the cinema because I wanted to have a bit of a lie down for a few hours. Awesome. So, you know, I, you, I do, I, I do. Did try you go and, see Avatar? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> that's it, three hours. That was what told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do love, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to now be in a position where I'm in charge of my own time. And that wasn't always the case. And I definitely did the hard years of working for someone else for, you know, for 10 years of, of doing that plus a lot of freelance and some of this other stuff on the side so I felt like I kind of earned the right to go freelance after 10 years I probably could have done it sooner but I that was when I kind of plucked up the courage and then the teaching stuff happened at the same kind of time so that was a new thing to like juggle and it was nice actually because I had the stability of some money coming in from that so I knew that it wasn't suddenly like falling off a precipice and finding lots of money from freelance which it takes a while to kind of build up to that um, so I guess the easy answer is a lot of work came to me via people that I was already connected with. So that thing about having a network and a community, lots of the work that I did in that first year freelance was through people that I used to work with in agencies who'd also left or start their own thing. And they knew what I was like and they knew the work that I was capable of. And then I suppose I was just fortunate that I'd already got enough of a platform through community stuff, talking at things being visible and consistent with my work online being on social media at the right time being involved in other groups and networks and communities that i had enough of a presence that people knew who i was within a very small bubble don't mean that in any grand way whatsoever but that people knew if they needed a logo or they were doing a magazine that i you know i was one of the people they could speak to yeah um, and i was fortunate that i'd engineered that kind of situation and I did enough of a good job enough of the time that work was forthcoming but I definitely you know I dropped the ball on some of those jobs I definitely didn't do my best work always um I was definitely spread too thin trying to do too many things um and I think now having a bit of a rebalance and not doing so much teaching actually that's freed me up to be a bit more to have a bit more headspace to do more of the community stuff so I spend more of my time thinking about and planning stuff um and inviting people to events and you know setting up different projects and things yeah while balancing paid work which obviously still has to come in because i've still got a mortgage and bills to pay of, of course all of that content. yeah heating it's gonna yeah oh <laughs> exactly <Don't even> <laughs> i probably need to Sorry. start doing a bit more paid work <laughs> yikes um, yeah so Organising events, for example, you know, mm. I came to one recently and I got to check out the Joint Works and what an incredible yeah. space. Mm. And obviously you had Craig Oldham speaking mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until he spoke that he talked, he talked about a particular piece of work that I realised that I'd heard him speak when I was at uni. Okay. So he came to Staffordshire Uni, must have been 2008, 2009, and handed out, he was talking about like 12... 12 yeah, lessons yeah I've still got it somewhere and that it was when he said that I was like, yeah. oh my gosh yeah, yeah. I've heard him before <laughs> I've got my copy on my shelf somewhere as well yeah which was amazing but fantastic speaker very inspiring and it's he was so right for the audience mm. wasn't he um yeah, yeah but I'd just love to know what do you look for in potential speakers for your events it's such a good question. Um, we look for a lot of different things. That's the easiest uh, and first thing to say is that we don't look for any one specific thing. I think, and it, it probably bears saying because otherwise it's I'm missing something really obvious, which is we like to hear from speakers who we think have something worth listening to. They've got a story to tell. They've done work that 
of some degree of note or interest or quality. Now, that doesn't have to mean that they should be famous or, you know, back to that nonsense about how big they are on social media or that stuff isn't really that important to us. Um, and when you're curating an event, you're often thinking about what you're trying to achieve with that. So with the festival, for instance, we know that that has a big audience. We know that they're quite mixed in, in where they come from geographically and, and kind of um, politically, you know, all sorts of socioeconomic backgrounds. So we really want to have a mixture of diverse speakers that some are really accessible, some are quite funny, some are more serious. They're from different areas of industry. We like to have writers in there, we like to have more visual designers, we have very commercial stuff, very avant-garde and edgy stuff. Um, but we, we want to hear from people that fit with the theme, which is really important to us. So, you know, do they align in some way with what we're trying to get across that year? And do they have interesting work to talk about that you would want to sit down and listen to them and you, you take something away from, from that? Sometimes they're people that you've never heard of. Maybe they're locals who have just been plowing away and you know doing amazing work with no kind of recognition or fame. Sometimes they're the most famous people that we can get our hands on. And that's really interesting as well, because, you know, how did they get there? What did that do to them? What's their story and their journey? Um, yeah, so, and it's a tricky one as well, because we like to try and give the stage or the microphone to people who maybe haven't had that opportunity before, but that can be quite difficult because public speaking is a skill and yeah. a craft and you, you want to hear from people that you're going to enjoy the experience and not feel awful for them if they're absolutely dying on their ass and clearly hating it so there's a degree of you know no one wants to go to a, a bad talk because the person's just absolutely dying because they don't want to be there you know you don't want to persuade people to speak who don't want to speak but you do also want to unlock there are lots of people who have good stuff to say and have never really realized that maybe they could do that and mm. um, so that's a bit of the background of like how we try and approach it you know I think people's attitude is really important to us we don't we have a bit of a no jerks policy so if someone comes across as very entitled or very uh, arrogant as opposed to confident that's a big turn off for me personally and for us as a team so we we tend to say no to those people they're often the people that ask if they can come and speak rather ah, than us inviting them. So we do get a bit of that. We get quite a lot of confident white men putting themselves forward, mm. telling us why we should have them. Yeah. And that's interesting because some of them, maybe that's just how they're coming across, whereas others, they really are a bit of a jerk. Um, <laughs> and you have to filter that and you have to mm. figure out. And, and also, also, what does our audience want? You know, there are people that we've had, and I can give an example of this, that there's a, a really interesting guy called Christo, who runs the future which is this network you know, yeah lots, lots I love will him. Know of him yeah right and and lots of people don't love him he's quite polarizing okay but he's very popular and um, and there are there's a bit of a kind of snooty proper designers look down their nose at people that are kind of social media stars and maybe don't necessarily share a lot of work so you don't necessarily see why they're deserving of that platform yeah now chris is an amazing educator and he's a really lovely guy, it turns mm. out. But mm. some people, you know, we, we weren't sure about him. I'll be honest, to begin with, he was on our like, I'm not sure list. Yeah. And then we invited him because he was the person that our audience most often asked for. Wow. So we listened to our audience. We would often say to people, who do you want to hear from? His name was consistently the top one. So we were like, well, okay, we probably need to put aside any prejudice that we have because <laughs> who are we to decide? Mm. And, and we spoke to him and we made it, we made it work. He was enthusiastic. He wanted to do it. He flew over from Australia, as it turned out. That was where he was at the time. Um, he did some workshops. He spoke at one of our events. He hung out the whole time. We got to know him a little bit. He was awesome. He was a really lovely guy. He was everything that we hoped he would be. He was happy to be there. He worked really hard. Um, absolutely zero complaints. You know, changed our perceptions, changed our minds, made a bit of a convert of some people. Now, some people still didn't love him he wasn't their favorite speaker that's fine he wasn't there for them necessarily he's he's got his audience and he probably won a few people over um but that was a real lesson to us in it's not just about who we like because i have my tastes based on my background and my perceptions and understanding of design they're different to yours they're different to the person that i sit next to they're different to everyone in our audience mm -hmm. and actually someone like that it was a breath of fresh air because he brought something different and that's what you want from these events. You don't want to just hear a hundred speakers who are the same 
and who look like you and sound like you and show their work yeah. you want to be challenged you want to be stretched you want to you want to disagree with some stuff I think you probably want to go away thinking that one probably wasn't for me mm. because that means it was for someone else yeah and, and, that's, and that's okay really important. yeah that's absolutely and that's okay we should all be big and grown up enough to to think like oh I'm glad I went to that I didn't love it but I'm glad I was there and I've learned something from it even if it's what I don't want to be yeah or, or, and I think that's what you said there Luke so important that every experience we have every, everything that enters our lives even the things that are really we see as being really crap or mm. that we really don't want um there's always a lesson there's always something there that you can take from it that's going to teach you something that you can learn from and go okay so so this is what happened and maybe I felt like I lost maybe it wasn't yeah. quite what I was expecting but let's reflect what there's something in there that I can take from it what is it absolutely and with our events because they're usually so low cost we feel like even more of a reason to take a risk on you know turn up to something that you wouldn't necessarily think you were going to like but all that you're losing is half an hour or an hour of your time and the potential to gain is so much yeah. there and you know if, if nothing else you've come and supported something that's happening in your community you've you've learned something about yourself or other people mm. um you don't have to love every experience every you know every band every speaker every song every experience every food or whatever but but it is good to try new stuff mm. from time to time otherwise Absolutely. you just get very stale and most of us that work in brands, you know, a lot of the time we're not just working on brands that we love for ourselves. We're working on brands for other people. So actually, the more you can understand about other people, the better your work becomes, the richer it becomes. Because, you know, if you're if you're working on something that isn't for you, you need to get into that mindset and that understanding space of a different kind of consumer, a different kind of audience. Mm. Um, and the more culturally kind of astute and aware and uh, experience you are the better you'll be at that um, yeah and, and I feel like listening to other people's opinions is a big way of doing that because you learn so much about yourself and about other people and that really that's that's a huge part of being a good designer absolutely absolutely um before we wrap up mm. there's two there's two more questions that I want to ask right the first one is what What's the thing that's within, you know, running running the business and the communities? Is there one thing that's been a real challenge at the moment? And my second yeah. question is, what are you most looking forward to next year? Oh, great questions. I wish I could have prepped. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're good questions to answer off the cuff because you'll probably get a more honest answer. Mm. Um I'm going to answer them in reverse order, if that's okay. Yeah, so that's fine. We're busy planning stuff for next year at the minute. So there's a couple of things that I'm not trying to plug, but just things that I'm genuinely excited about. One is something that I can't really talk about. So that's the stupid thing to say. But it's, it's something aimed at the next generation, which is something we, we already, you know, we offer mentoring schemes and different things to try and help people bridge that um, education to industry gap. But I feel like now we're having a little bit of a focus on the next generation and who's not just hoarding that kind of the access and the privilege and the talent and the wealth and the stuff that we've got, but trying to give some more of that away to the kind of emerging generations who are mm. maybe 10 years, 15 years behind us. So, yeah, I'm excited about that and helping shape that. And I'm also very excited about we're doing something different with BDF next year. So it's the first mm. year that we're going to do a conference, oh. which is kind of what we always didn't want to do so we're doing it a bit different <laughs> we're making sure that it is something we want to do but it's a bit more of a focused and trimmed down and um, manageable version of the festival so it's sort of the festival in a day rather than three days and um, so it's less speakers less venues less admin less stress if I'm yeah. honest. Um, thank goodness <laughs> but still hopefully a really accessible enjoyable inspiring day I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. So that's that's happening in June, June the 9th, mark the calendars. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And it's a pleasure to some of the speakers that we've got that are agreeing to come is just insane. It's um, mm. some of the best people, best designers in the world, best illustrators, best creatives, um, literally on the planet. So that is blowing my tiny mind that 
they're saying yes to our emails and they're coming to Birmingham and we're responsible for them. And um, so that is really exciting and daunting. Yeah. And I can't wait for that. The other question about what, what am I finding difficult? Mm. Yeah, that is a really good question. And um, I would say the thing that we struggle most with, and this is just being completely honest, is persuading some speakers to be part of our events who are the people that we would most want to be there but are probably the ones who are the busiest in their own work and maybe and you know speaking openly they're some of them marginalized not the right word but you know from different backgrounds they're not the white male privileged speakers that you would want to be at things and the way that we run a lot of our events is very low cost or no cost to attendees because we really believe that that's important to get people through the doors and mm. and with the cost of living crisis and young people having less disposable income and all the rest of it you know we we want to reduce those barriers to entry but that means then that we don't have big pots of money to pay speakers and when you're asking people who are busy doing stuff in their own communities building great platforms doing amazing work which is so important to then expect them to give up their spare time or their work time to come for free and tell people about it you know that's that's asking a lot of people that's mm. extra labor yeah. that you you would want to pay them for speaking you know honestly so that's a, a tension that we live in and we are always navigating and you know it's difficult if you want to pay one speaker you can't do that and not pay the rest yeah but you know how you how you so some stuff we do pay because for some certain events and so I think you know we we've we've changed that now because if we're charging money to come to stuff we believe that it's right to honor speakers by paying them yeah but there are a lot of things where that just isn't the case or we don't necessarily set the rules or yeah so that that is tricky because we really don't want to exploit people but we do want we do operate a bit of a you know everything operates on kindness and generosity and yeah. and giving back but when you're asking people to give back and maybe no one's given back to them or they're coming from a different point of you know lack of privilege or lack of access then it can feel difficult um, but we don't want to exclude those people yeah and we, actually they're often the voices that we need the most because they're the least like us that they've got you know very different um communities to speak into so that is a challenge because mm. we're we're still learning how to navigate that you know some people would say well you should just pay those people for their time and and i i kind of agree with that but then there is a knock-on to that which is that money has to come from somewhere do we then start you know a, a big part of why we started the festival was as a an opposite and antithesis to the very expensive conferences and things yeah. that i'm not paying a thousand pounds to go to a conference so yeah. how would our students afford that you know they wouldn't you know even getting places and giving up a day of work is is a challenge for some people so there's a tension there of what you charge versus what you can pay and and yeah. voices that, that potentially excludes Mm, so yeah I don't I don't have a good answer for that I think that's, it's that's okay just being honest it's that you know it's tricky I appreciate your honesty and it's it's just goes to show that everybody has you know being transparent and saying yeah we've got this problem and I'm not quite sure how we solve this I think it's really important for people to hear because often yeah. when people again this perception what they see everything looks good everything's polished to know the intricacies of of you know how it is to run events and get things done and know that actually it's not it's not easy and it, it looks really easy but it's not it can be stressful we've got these issues I yeah. think it's really important that's what this show is yeah. all about so thank you for being honest you're welcome we we had a, a lady once say to us and this was just speaking about the gender divide which you know there's half of the world is populated by women or you know people who are not males so it, it mm. feels like that should be an easy thing and we're pretty good on our gender diversity I think and this lady said oh you know it, you shouldn't be finding this difficult this is easy and she was kind of on the periphery of our team so we we invited her to help us land some female speakers within a certain you know area of what we were doing mm. and she couldn't she came back a, you know a couple of months later and said oh, actually I've really struggled with this this isn't what I thought it was mm. going to be and there's a perception that it should be easy to get stuff right and to, yeah. you know to, to get perfect balance of speakers and backgrounds and diversities and ethnicities and genders 
all of that stuff. And the reality is it isn't easy because there are lots of reasons why and yeah. they're complex. Yeah. And yeah. that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. It means you have to try harder. Yeah. And, and we've gone on that journey of understanding we have to try harder and we have to do better. But it's still, you know, we could fill up our event 10 times over if we just said yes to all the white men who yeah. come forward. Yeah. But we don't want that and we've never wanted that. And that isn't, that wouldn't be good for anyone, especially mm. for, you know, our community. But it means that you're pulling from a smaller pool because mm. of all of the factors that have led to it being a very white male dominated industry for so yeah. long. Yeah. No. So we're working on some of that stuff long term. And I'm sure in 30 years, fingers toes crossed, it will be easier. Yeah. Because we'll have seen some of those inequalities shift. But in the meantime, it does it can cause a bit of a headache when you're the, you're an event like ours where we've got hundred speakers and we we need a good balance and you want people there on merit we don't want to be accused of being tokenistic and mm. you know just putting people in because of a certain factor you want yeah. it to be a, a you know a combination of things so that's the tension that we as two white men running a team in the one of the most diverse <laughs> cities in the you know the uk and yeah. all the rest of it we we're always trying to check in with ourselves that we're doing we're doing right by our community i um, think i think continue. that's Sorry it's really good that you're doing that and again it's it's i think it starts with going okay this is what we're trying to do um yeah okay it's it's not easy but we're trying and how are we going to yeah. make it possible that, yeah. that honestly is you know i think being frank when we started we we just thought well if it's if it's not possible then we won't be able to do it and that's not our fault whereas what we've learned is well that's really just giving it'd be like oh well that was quite difficult we won't do yeah. that and um, mm. taking the easy way out and actually what you have to do is you have to plan better you have to start earlier you have to be more intentional you have to make sure that your speaker invite lists are as diverse as you want them to be and you mm. have to set yourself those challenges of actually we're not going to accept that that's inevitable we're going to pursue something different at the expense of ease or time or mm. whatever and and even then it doesn't make it that's not like hey great sorted it's actually really difficult because for lots of reasons lots of those people don't want to speak at events and, and you know, i yeah. understand that so it is what it is and we're just playing a very small part in trying our best to yeah. do the right thing um and then you know that's better for everyone let me know that we've we're achieving things and um not just perpetuating a lot of these status quos which need to change so yeah it's um yeah. it's all good fun and games but it isn't it isn't always easy and people never see you know people don't see the hours of emailing and it's not very glamorous that's the bit that you know goes on behind closed doors but it's definitely yeah. worth it because we love the community and we love serving it and we love you know being part of something exciting that i think is changing perceptions of birmingham um within definitely. our industry and that definitely you don't have to go all the way to London to find creativity and be inspired. Um, so keep doing what you're doing, Luke, and the rest thank of the you. team. Um, and yeah, thank you for your honesty. You're um, welcome. Thank you so for your great questions. It's been it's, good. <laughs> I'm getting all right at this. You, yeah, you, you should you should give this podcast a thing a go. It's like you know what you're doing. <laughs> Amazing. So if people want to find out about all the wonderful things that you've been talking about where can they go Luke great question ah they can google it um if you go to birminghamdesign.co.uk you will find our website which shoots off in lots of different directions fuse latest one design gather birmingham design the shop etc is all accessible from there you can find us on the socials either design fest Brum or birmingham design with some of the letters taken out um, or you can find all of that pretty easily through my bios, which is I'm just at Luke Tong on everything. Um, yeah, and hopefully we're we're visible and accessible like we preach that you should be um, and people can find us. And hopefully, yeah, people will feel that it's for them and they'll come and try us out and, you know, find community with us if they've not got it already. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been well, a pleasure. Loved it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. And uh, yeah, thanks for the great questions. Cheers. Cheers. Then. 
Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tuning into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. We want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a show tone. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.